Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And don't forget, if you enjoy taking notes, you can download the fillable PDF file on our website at goharvest.org forward slash notes. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. So, the written word bears testimony to the living word, and Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. I know that somebody needs to get saved here today. Somebody needs to get healed here today. Somebody needs to get delivered here today. If you're in the house, if you're online, I want you to close your eyes right now. Spirit of the living God, we lift up and magnify the name of Jesus. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, almighty God, wonderful counselor. In the strong name of Jesus, if you're watching online or in this room and you do not have a relationship with him, The Word of God says this, He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Take all of your stuff, all of your life, and say, I place it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, come into my life right now. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. I lay myself and my stuff before you. I ask Jesus for forgiveness and freedom. Somebody here today needs a healing. So Jesus, right now, touch bodies. Somebody right here is struggling with a difficulty that the doctors have said there's no answer to, but Jesus. Jesus speaks to that area of your body. Jesus speaks that area of your life, and you give that to him, and healing comes in his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody needs to be delivered. You've been tortured. The enemy has cried out. The enemy has spoken condemnation in your life. But today is the day of salvation. The word salvation means saved, healed, and delivered. Today is the day you are delivered and set free in the strong name of Jesus. The enemy must flee when he hears the name of Jesus, when he's in the presence of the Most High. So now we speak in Jesus' name. We bind on earth, just as it's bound in heaven. There's no power of the enemy over our life, and we speak freedom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, freedom, deliverance, hope, life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And I'll tell you, folks, I I grew up in a Baptist church. And I'm very thankful for my Baptist heritage. I love the Word of God and the passion to reach lost people for Jesus. But to be honest, growing up in a Baptist church, I thought the part before the teaching was the warm-up. Now, to be honest, part of that was because I was a pastor's kid and I could pass notes to the pretty girls in the next row uh, before my dad got up to preach. And once my dad got to preach, I better be paying attention and better be quiet or else it would be a painful afternoon. But I always thought the beginning part was the preliminaries. But I want to tell you this. You have a worship team that's anointed. You have a worship team that leads you into the presence of the Most High. And how many of you know being at church is with the people of God in the presence of God so that we can hear the Spirit of God who will give us the testimony of Jesus to be able to go from this place to where he has for us to go. Well, I'm going to start preaching pretty quick, so I've got to be careful. Let me just share a couple things real quick. God has been so good. In fact, I just want to say that. God is good. Okay, when I say God is good, you say all the time. I'll say all the time. You say, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. There you go. 
Well, whether you're in this room or whether you're online, Jessup has something for you. We're excited to be part of this church family. This church family is home to us. This is indeed part of the Jessup community. So we have uh, on ground, we have online, we have daytime, nighttime, undergrad, grad. Uh, We have uh, courses available in Rockland and in San Jose and, of course, online around the world. We're also coming to Elk Grove uh, in the center here. It's going to be some great things. We've got a school of nursing that's starting in about a year from now. We already have approval from the Board of Registered Nursing, so that's exciting. It's just going to be a great day. I want to thank uh, you for having me back here. This is one of those churches where it feels like home. It just feels like home. So thank you, Pastor Randy, for your grace and for your goodness. Thank you to Pastor Perry and Barbara for letting me be here. And uh, just want to tell you, starting with this, we'll talk about worry today. How many of you did not have COVID on your calendar? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Well, me, me either. I'm, I'm a scheduler. I'm a planner. I grew up um, as a child. I was the firstborn child. Dad and mom were pastors of small to medium-sized Baptist churches, and I worried a lot as a kid. I really did. I worried a lot as a kid, and I look back on it, and part of the reason I worried is because my mom and dad never made plans. We would go on vacation, literally. They'd throw us four kids in the back seat. This is before seat belts. They'd throw us four kids in the back seat. We'd start driving, and my parents never made a reservation. Literally. We'd get to a place, and the motel would be full, and we'd go to the next motel, the next motel, and I'd go, Dad, do we have a reservation? No, we don't have a reservation. We'll go to the next place. And I just grew up. So because of that, I was a worrier as a kid. And uh, a a few years ago, I came across this study in USA Today. People said, looking back over life, what do you regret wasting time on? Well, 18% said they wasted time gossiping, and they regretted that. That's that's a good regret. You shouldn't gossip. Um, 27% said commuting. Now, that's interesting, by the way. With COVID, maybe we'll end up uh, eliminating a lot of that or reducing it because we've got a a lot of remote work abilities. Um, 35% said they regretted wasting time on television. That's probably something that's, uh, you know, streaming on your device. And by the way, you might be wondering, why do I have my my phone up here in the platform for him? Well, it helps keep the papers down, but there's something else. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, three grandkids, as Pastor Randy said. I've got five children, three grandchildren, and my second daughter is uh, very, very pregnant with our fourth grandchildren, and she was supposed to be delivered. And how many of you women know there's a reason why I call it delivery? Because you get to that point, you want to be delivered, okay? So my wife has, uh, or my daughter, my daughter has, uh, was due on July 9th. So this baby's a couple days late, and it will be our first grandson. So I promise you, if I get a text during the service, I'm not going to leave you, but I will not be staying long after. I just want you to know that. Now, by the way, just so you know all the details, uh, my daughter does not meet, need me to have a baby, but... Uh, Papa's responsibility is to go watch their little girl, their little two and a half year old. So Papa's just so excited that he's going to go be with his granddaughter when the baby's ready to come, and and Mom's going to go have the baby, and and my wife will be in the room with her. So it's just a great joy. We're excited about that. Um, so the last thing on this USA Today survey is 67 percent of the people said, "What do you regret wasting time in life on worrying?" Worrying. Are any of you in this room you ever worry at all? I'm going to just tell you about me, okay? I just, you know, it's not a good thing. I'm not proud of this. But, but um, I had five kids, and uh, when my wife or my children, I had three girls and, and then a gap and two boys. By the way, my kids go from 30, uh, 37. She doesn't like when I say her age, but I think it's about 37 down to 22. 
And so we had three boys and then a six-year gap and two girls. People look at us and go, oh, you guys are a blended family, right? And we go, no, just non-strategic. So we had five kids over, over all that period of time. But I remember when my kids were growing up, especially the teenage years, uh, and if they did not come home at the time they said they were going to be home, like if we agreed what time they're supposed to be home, and let's say it was 10 o'clock at night, and they weren't home at 10.05 and 10.10 and 10.15, I'm going to tell you what I did. A, I was right there in the front room waiting for them, and B, um, I was praying and my mind would go to, to negative things right away as soon as my kids were not home or if my wife's not home at the time she said she'd be my mind starts going to negative thoughts I start thinking okay there was an accident something bad happened or you know something happened to him my mind would start being like that and uh, my parents told me when I was a little boy I was a worrier too so that's worry has always been part of my life so it's been something that I've kind of had to grapple with so I had a friend years ago. His name's Glenn Gunderson. Glenn, if you're watching, thank you very much. Uh, he did this series of teachings on toxins, poisons that get released in our system. And then he talked about what Jesus said about those toxins. So I took some of his teachings, and just over the years, I've been praying about it, and I was praying about what to share with you. And I was thinking this. We're kind of coming out of COVID, right? And COVID introduced a lot of pain, a lot of disruption, a lot of disequilibrium, a lot of differences in society. But I know one of the things that some of us may not be aware of is we're carrying around a lot of worry. A lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of disequilibrium. So here's what I'm going to do. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about some kingdom of God attitudes. We call it the B attitudes. This is the way to live your life. And in one section of the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 6, he said five things that worry steals from you. I'm going to teach you today really quickly five things that worry steals from you, and then I'm going to tell you two ways to get rid of worry in your life. And these two ways have actually equipped me for my whole life so that worry is not an issue for me anymore. Now, by the way, when my kids are late and my wife is late, I still pray like crazy, but I don't go to that dark place. I don't go to that dark place. I, I do not do that, but I, I pray like crazy, okay? So fasten your seatbelts, put your tray table up in the upright and locked position because we're going to fly, okay? You ready? Here we go. Five things that worry steals for you. Number one is thankfulness. Worry steals thankfulness or gratitude. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, this is Jesus talking. He says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. When you are worried, it can become so consuming that you focus on what you don't have, you focus on what's not happening instead of what you do have. Like, I know you all have struggles right now. I, I don't know what they are. Maybe it's a medical, financial, relational. You've got struggles right now. Can I tell you this? You are sitting in an air-conditioned building. Hello, folks, it's 100 degrees outside, and you're in an air-conditioned building. Anybody want to thank Jesus for air conditioning? I do. Yes, come on. So praise the Lord, we got air conditioning. When you are worried, it robs you of thankfulness. It robs you of gratitude. To be honest, I've had the privilege to travel internationally, and I've been in many places in our world where people lived in circumstances where I would often find myself thinking, if I live like this, I think I'd be raising my fist to heaven, saying, where are you, God? You've forgotten all about me. But the reason I think the Lord took me to those places is I met people who love Jesus, 
who are expressing gratitude to the Heavenly Father for what they have. Anybody else get frustrated when you have to wait at the stop signal? Anybody else go in the checkout line and the, 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 the 10 item only line, the express one, and find somebody there with 12 items and get mad? Anybody ever find yourself in a place where people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and you're supposed to go, 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 go? When you are worried, it can become a paralyzing reality and it robs you of thankfulness. You, you lose all sense of priorities and values. Worry destroys thankfulness. Here's the second thing. It destroys our understanding of our value. Jesus said in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? When you worry, it steals from you your perspective of how much God loves you. And how many of you know that what God says about you is the most important thing that will ever be said about you? And you know what God says about you? He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know if you're tall or short. I don't know if you're skinny or I don't know if you're my size, but the reality is this. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I promise not to inflict too many grandchildren stories on you, but I got one more. Um, I, we got these three granddaughters so far. We're waiting for the fourth child to be a grandson, but three granddaughters, I just love them dearly. They have me wrapped around their little finger. I mean, whatever they want, Papa's ready to, to provide it. To the extent I can, man, I'm getting it for them. But you know what? When my grandchildren come over to my house, you know one of the things they love to do? It's not an expensive toy. It's not doing anything that what my grandchildren love to do, and I fig just figured this out, is um, we live next to a green belt, so I will take my grandchildren, they're about four, three, and, and, and two, and I take them out to the fence near the green belt, and we will sit, there's a little ledge, we'll just sit on that ledge, or they'll stand, and I'll hold them, and we watch the birds. And sometimes there's big birds, and sometimes there's small birds, and when we listen to the noises, sometimes the birds make a loud sound, sometimes it's kind of a soft sound. One of the birds we have out there is a, a red, a ring-tailed pheasant, and it makes a certain kind of sound, and it's kind of loud, and it fills the area, and we don't always hear that bird, but we, we hear the other birds, like the sparrows, they'll, they'll chirp, chirp, and things like, can I tell you this? So far, at least, my grandchildren have never gotten bored with hearing the beauty of the sound of birds. We live kind of in a crazy life, don't we? You can get so all, all worried and all stressed out and all strung out on stuff. And when you worry, it robs you of understanding your value, of understanding wonder and awe. That's what I love about children. Children bring just a sense of wonder and awe. It's the little things. Now, again, they get a little bit older and they lose that. But we've got to work on keeping that wonder and awe in children. Here's a third thing that worry robs you of. It's peace in the present. Peace in the present. Jesus in verse 27 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour of his life? It's no surprise that 67% of people said that they regret wasting time worrying. How many of you know this? A lot of stuff you worry about never comes to pass, right? Like the vast majority of it. Now, every once in a while, by the way, you worry about something and it does happen, but most of the time it doesn't. Jesus said, worrying robs you of peace. Do you know that Jesus actually told us about Satan, what his MO is? In John 10, 10, he said this about Satan. He's a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I want to tell you this. If stuff's getting stolen in your life, if it's getting killed in your life, 
If it's getting destroyed in your life, can I tell you whose work that is? That's the work of the enemy of your soul. When stuff is stolen, killed, or destroyed, you are seeing the fingerprints of Satan. So when you worry and you get wrapped up in that worry, you are losing your peace in the present. You're getting all disequilibrium about the future. And by the way, we have lived, unless you're over 100, none of us have lived through what we just lived through. Nobody in history, unless you're over 100 years old, have lived through what we just have been coming through. So this is a very challenging season. It's challenging in the American public. It's challenging our world medically. This is a rough time. But man, when you get robbed of your peace, you lose what gives you a sense of calm and focus. So the fourth thing, fourth thing is that we lose confidence in the promises of God. Jesus said this, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Some of you remember the story from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are in there, and Eve is kind of walking around. She sees a couple trees that look awful good. Do you remember what Satan in the form of a serpent said to her? Did God really say? Twice in that garden, what Satan does is he casts doubt into the word of God. Remember, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. Well, part of what happens when you worry is that your confidence in the promises of God gets, gets hammered. For instance, let me say this. How many of you wonder, don't raise your hand, but how many of you wonder, where was God on 9-11? If God is God, why didn't he, he stop the COVID pandemic? Some of you have lost loved ones, people you care for deeply. Think about the uh, Surfside condo collapse, a horrifying, unimaginable circumstance where people are just living in a place and all of a sudden it falls down. I mean, where is God? In the midst of all that, what the enemy of your soul can do is just cause you to say, God's not good. God is not good. One of the reasons I have people say it all the time is that the scripture declares that God is good and we know he is good, though we often live in a world that challenges our faith and our belief. The last thing that worry steals from us is security in our relationship with God. This is a great passage. It says in verse 31 and 32, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Here's the truth, my friends, is that when we worry, when we give ourselves over to worry, we literally lose stability. Just to be honest, you don't have to raise your hand. This has been a season of disequilibrium. I think it was just a couple days ago that we had an earthquake, right? And the earthquake was centered not far from where we used to live in Nevada. We planted a church in Nevada many years ago, and I was kind of watching online. A lot of my friends online were saying, man, it was really big. So I think it measured 6.0 at the epicenter, about 5.9, 6.0. That's a pretty decent-sized earthquake. It's a shaking. How many of you know we've been living through an earthquake of sorts. The ground has been unstable. Like, what's going on in our culture? What's going on in terms of justice? What's going on in terms of medical health? What's going on in the economy? It's an uneven time. And when you have that disequilibrium, it causes you to doubt. So those are five things that worry steals. Our thankfulness, our understanding, our peace, our confidence in God's word, and our security in our relationship with him. Those are five things that worry steals. I'm just going to tell you two things. Two things that I've found, and they're fa- th- found right in this passage. 
two things that help you address worry. So before we go there, I want to ask you this question. Don't raise your hand. Don't say it out. What do you worry about in life? Do you worry about finances? Do you worry about relationship? Do you worry about physical health? Do you worry about the future? What is it that you worry about? I want you to imagine this. Whatever it is that often comes at you that you worry about, I want you to think about this. Here's two things that'll help you give a death blow to worry in your life. It'll bring, instead of worry, it'll bring you a sense of calm and peace. The first one is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew 6, it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm 59, and the older I get, the more I realize that faith needs to be simple. I love the fact there was no, no planning, by the way, at least by us, it was by the Holy Spirit, no planning that the last song was Jesus at the center of it all. So how many of you know that, that this, I, I, I'm holding a particular kind of smartphone, that this smartphone is not simplistic, but they've made it as simple as possible. By the way, people tell me that there's as much computing power in this fairly small device that you can put in your pocket or you can put in a purse, that there's as much computing power here as used to exist in a whole room full of computers. But how many of you know this is not a simplistic device? You don't need a faith that is simplistic, but you do need a faith that's simple. Because when you have a faith that's simple, when life gets complicated and complex and life throws that stuff at you, and, and it will come, by the way. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean your life's always going to be smooth sailing. Oftentimes, the reality is, is that followers of Jesus get stuff coming at them. The difference is how we respond to it. So Matthew six thirty three. I tell my kids this all the time, adult kids now, seek first the kingdom of God. If Jesus is at the center of your life, that doesn't mean, by the way, put your head in the sand. It doesn't mean be unwise or foolish. It doesn't mean be ignorant or unaware of what's going on. It just means if you keep Jesus at the center, you'll have a kind of stability, a kind of foundation that in Matthew chapter 7, it says it's like building your house on the rock. So then when the storms come, your house is going to stand. A lot of us build a house of our life on our financial security. And how many of you know that can go away? We build our house on, hey, this relationship's never going to shift. And then stuff happens, right? We build our house on our physical health. And we do everything to take care of that, and then something happens. Anybody remember the name Pistol Pete Maravich? Anybody remember that name? Pistol Pete was a, a basketball star, uh, I think, in Lu, uh, Louisiana. He, num- he played on the um, pro basketball for the Hawks. And then when he was in his 40s, he was playing basketball with Jim Dobson in a pickup game. And he died immediately, had a massive heart attack. They did an autopsy in Pistol Pete, and this is what they found. He had a congenital heart effect that his, basically his body was a ticking time bomb. But he was an all-star college basketball player, a professional Hall of Fame basketball player, and it just happened one day. So you can take care of your body, you can be in premium shape, and then something will happen with your health. What are you putting all your trust and focus in? What Jesus said is seek first the kingdom of God, You put Jesus at the center, then you'll be able to have the gifts and skills and the power to be able to deal with everything that life throws at you. Here's a second one. It's pretty simple. Live one day at a time. This is what I found. I was a a kid who worried a lot. I always wanted to plan. I always wanted to know what was going to happen next. Do you have any of your kids who ask this question, are we there yet when you're on a trip? Are we there yet? Uh, What are we going to do next? I was that kid. 
So I was that kid, and my grandmother recognized that. My grandmother lived on the East Coast, and she would come out and visit us in Southern California. And my grandmother was a pastor. And my grandmother taught me a song. She taught me this song as a little boy, and it really, really helped me. It helped me so much that I've taught this song to my children. And then my children have taught it to my grandchildren, to their children. So I just want to sing this song to you really good, and I'm not a good singer. So please don't react to like, ooh, that guy should never sing in public. Because that's what my family will say when they watch the tape, okay? But what I will say to you is this, is that when I was a little boy and I heard these words, it made all the difference in the world. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, let him be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas, rest always on his promise. Why worry, worry, worry when you can pray? That's all that she sang. It's only been in recent years, by the way, that I've been willing to embarrass myself like this. My children are mortified. My grandchildren love it. But the truth is this, that simple notion, why worry when you can pray? All that stuff that's coming tomorrow and next week and next month and five years from now and what happens when I retire and who my kid's going to marry and what happens, all that stuff, you just say, why worry when you can pray? Take one day at a time. Look what Jesus said. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, except for the first service, I've never closed a worship service like I'm going to now. But as I was praying and preparing for this, I thought, I need us to know that the Word of God is living and active. And if you came in here today and you are carrying worry, you didn't even know you were carrying it, but COVID has unleashed it or circumstances in your life have brought it to the forefront, I want to declare scripture over you. So would you close your eyes? If you're watching online, would you close your eyes? I want to read to you Psalm 91. It was one of the scriptures that I learned growing up, and it's been such a comfort. And I want to read it to you as a prayer. So with your eyes closed, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear of the terror by or you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him 
my salvation. With your eyes still closed, Spirit of the living God, be released in this place. Touch men and women. Take that point of worry. Take that fiery dart that the enemy of their soul fires at them. And Lord Jesus, we say no to worry. We say no to fear. And we say yes to faith. Lord Jesus, we press into you. We are not going to walk in ignorance. We're not going to walk in lack of awareness. We are going to live in this world. We're going to recognize all the pressures. But Jesus, we say yes to you. We recognize, Jesus, that it is your hand upon our shoulder pointing the way in the future as we navigate the storms of life. We will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and you will help us order all the rest of these things. We will not worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We'll make plans, we'll be wise, but we'll submit everything to you, Jesus. And I declare over Harvest Church, this will not be a church full of worry. This will be a church full of faith. And we will bring that gift of faith to the community that you've called us to live, to the neighborhood where we live, to the place where we work, to the families you've entrusted to us. And we ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.